Hey, welcome to the More Life, Less Drama podcast. I'm your host, Prue Sulisic, and I'm here to lead you to a more fulfilling and peaceful life. This is not some fancy podcast bringing you extraordinary stories. I'm just here keeping it real, raw, and honest, so you know it's possible for you too. I want you to know yourself so well, nothing stands in your way. So let's get to it. Life is waiting. Hello, lovely people. How are you today? Welcome to another episode of More Life, Less Drama, episode 23, going live. Pretty proud of myself that I've reached 23 consecutive episodes. Can't wait for the day where I say I'm, I've hit 52. This is a goal of mine to do 52 episodes in a row and beyond. Like that's just my first mini milestone in my goal structure for this podcast. Yeah, so we're at 22, no, 23. Yeah, we're almost halfway there, which is pretty cool. So I hope everybody is well. I've been having a lovely holiday here. It's been school holidays on the Gold Coast and the kids have just gone back to school and I'm still just hanging around with my mum. She's come up for a visit and it's been really lovely just hanging around, catching up, having good DMs as you do when you're just sitting around chatting all day. It's been really nice. And today I want to talk to you about how to change ultimately. Basically, that's what I do in my life coaching practice all the time. I help people step into themselves, be different and make these small changes in their life that are actually going to have them showing up with a bit more passion about life and feeling better and feeling like they've accomplished something and not just doing the monotonous things that life throws at us. Because if we don't ever claim a goal, then life just goes past and then you get to the end of your life and you're like, oh, I wish I spent time doing this or wish I spent time doing that. And you could possibly leave with some regret. So I don't want you to leave with regret. I want you to lay on your deathbed and be like, oh my God, my life was so full. I ticked off all those things that I wanted to do. I'm really feeling proud of the life that I created for myself and how I showed up in life. That's what I want for you. Well, I know that's what I want for myself and I know that others want that too. So this is why I'm here sharing all this information with you because I want you to have that as well. It might be slightly different. doesn't have to be exactly like that, of course, yet you know your version of it. I know you do. So change. Change is... It's hard to navigate sometimes, like I'm just going to say that. And it's just about practicing and figuring out what change you want to create in your life and what sticks. I've said that before on the podcast about having things and trying things out to see if they stick. And this is just another version of that. And today I'm going to give you some great insight into something that I actually have in my paid membership, Be Unshakable, and it is a model that I'm going to take you through. But first, before we get into that and I give you all the details, I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever learned to drive a manual car? I know I have. And when I did drive that manual car, like obviously I did not know anything about driving when I first started. When I started driving, I was 18. Yes, I was a late starter because I was in boarding school and that sort of prevented me from having a lot of lessons, I suppose, when I lived in Adelaide without my parents. And so when I did start driving at 18, I was driving the little beast that was my mum's cool little Ford laser. (laughs) It was bright orange. My brother used to be so embarrassed of that thing. 
He used to actually ask mum to drop him up the road rather than dropping him in front of the school or friend's house. I have no idea why. I loved that little car. It was so great, but for some reason, my brother, I know you're listening to this, Ben, you were embarrassed of the little orange beast, but it was the car that got me started on my driving journey. Not sure what Ben drove. I think he he was a bit later. He's five years younger than me, so I'm assuming there was another car that he learned to drive in. (laughs) But for me, it was the little orange laser. And when I started driving, I remember, oh, it was nerve-wracking and it was just terrifying and I had no idea. Trying to connect that clutch and not bunny hop up the road was really, really difficult. I was bunny hopping a lot. It was just what I was doing. I was bunny hopping up the road. There was definitely no driving in town to start with. We were out on the, what we called the nine mile road near Broken Hill, where there wasn't really, it was like a highway, I suppose, very quiet highway. And that's when I first started my driving journey. But eventually, after a few practices, I started to get into first gear and then shift into second gear. Although it might not have been very smooth, I was still doing it. I was like in first and maybe shifting to second, getting a bit of speed up, as you know, then moving and shifting into third gear and so on. If you drive a manual car, you'll know what I'm talking about. So with practice, I managed to work through it all the years, you know, one to four. But, you know, learning to steer while watching out for others, shifting gears and you know, making sure that I wasn't making a menace of myself on the road once I moved into town, it was so hard. It was super scary. (laughs) And I have no idea how my son is doing it at the moment because he's learning to drive on the Gold Coast and I'm feeling every bit of his nerves. But when I was in Broken Hill, like Broken Hill had the widest streets and hardly any traffic. We had, I think we've got two traffic lights And yet I was so anxious and nervous, like my anxiety levels skyrocketed every time I needed to practice. And as I said, like Oscar, who's currently learning to drive now, like I'm feeling every bit of his nervousness and his anxiety, although he looks like he's doing it with ease um, so much better than I was. Mind you, actually, now that I say that, he's driving an automatic. I was in the manual. So as I said, trying to figure out the gears, trying to steer and look out for pedestrians and bike riders and all that sort of stuff while shifting through gears was really hard. But imagine if I decided that it was too hard, that I was too anxious and just stopped. Time would have gone past and when I got behind the wheel again, it would have felt like I was back at square one. The stopping and starting actually was holding me back. When you're learning to drive, what you have to do is you have to show up and keep going. You have to keep getting behind the wheel. You have to keep practicing. The practice made me progress. The more I practiced, the better I was shifting through those gears. The better I was learning to steer and shift gears, the better I was at feeling anxious and also learning that I could feel that and still do the thing that was making me anxious. So what would stop me from driving? It's the same things that stop us from doing many things in our life and driving is just an example. So it's the anxiety, like I already said, that discomfort of getting behind the wheel and overthinking. I understand it's not a great feeling. And there's also fear, fear of the unknown, fear of what could happen, fear of just being really bad at it. Some people don't even start driving because I'm assuming fear stops them. I know a couple of people that have never got their license 
I've never understood it because I'm like, I love my freedom. (laughs) There's no way that this girl is never having a license because I would feel trapped. But fear stops a lot of people. Maybe embarrassment stops a lot of people because it's like, well, somebody is teaching you to drive and if you're bunny hopping constantly and they're like, come on, it's so easy, get it together, you know, like you're you're really bad at this, you could feel embarrassed and therefore the embarrassment could stop you. Maybe you feel frustrated because the frustration of like, this should be happening faster, I should get this easier, it should be easy and you're just frustrated at yourself. So in the case of learning to drive, I decided that the outcome of being a capable driver and passing my test was worth it. The discomfort was worth it. It's also always great. And if you can see, if you zoomed out, it's like that was a goal. I had a goal of getting my license and therefore I was doing all the things and taking the action to actually make that happen. And so if you've got your license, you've already achieved a goal. So many people say to me that they have never achieved any goal. But if you've got your license, well, that is a goal that you have achieved. We often undermine our own achievements and just brush them under the carpet. Getting your license is an achievement. Because, well, for me, what was the alternative? If I didn't get my license, what was I going to do? Catch public transport or walk everywhere? Like, yeah, that's that's totally possible. People do that all the time. But for me, it was like, no way. I did not want that. I did not want that to be the result for my life. I didn't want to walk everywhere. I definitely didn't want to catch public transport or to rely on others or to catch Ubers or taxis back in the day. So what do you do? So how do you manage to have this discomfort and still show up to get the license? This is what I'm going to take you through because if you categorize it and put it into a model, which I have, you can understand the process. And if you know the process for this being the driver's license, you can actually put it into any goal and have it as an overall process and therefore you can achieve anything. So you get through it by doing shift and shift is a model that I've created. You show up, you practice, you hold the tension of that discomfort between a person who doesn't know how to drive to becoming a person that does. You do it because you see yourself as a driver, as someone who drives. I am a driver. I know how to drive, opposed to someone who can't or even someone who's learning, different identity there. And there are many times when you're doing driving practice that you fail, but you keep going. You fail, you don't get that reverse park first up. Like seriously, sometimes I'm still taking a couple of goes to get a reverse park. (laughs) Pretty good, but not all the time. It doesn't stop me. I still see a reverse park and I'm like, I'm going to go for it. Sometimes I fail. Maybe you changed lanes too slow and you got bibbed by another driver. Maybe you parked badly, but you keep going because you are someone that drives and is capable of driving. And you also track your progress. When you are a learner, you have to keep track of your hours. You have to write them down or log them somehow. In Queensland, currently, you have to drive 100 hours before you get your P's. I think it's the same in New South Wales. You need to do 80 daylight hours and you need to do 20 nighttime hours. And how would you know how many hours you've done if you weren't keeping track of that data? You know, Oscar, he's learning to drive, so he's got an app. 
when Stella learned to drive, she had a logbook and you have to write in what hours you did. So it adds it up. If you didn't have that logbook or the app, you would have no idea how many hours you've accumulated. What's the consequence of not tracking your data? Well, firstly, in relation to the license, if you don't track your data, you then don't have proof that you've completed your 100 hours and you will not get your license. They won't give it to you. You have to show them that you've done 100 hours of driving as a learner to get your P's. What does that mean? If you don't get your license, well, you'll be driving with mum and dad for the rest of your life (laughs) or catching public transport or walking. So there's a consequence to not tracking your data. Okay, so why is this even relevant to you? And I've already mentioned it's because you can use the shift model to actually show you the process of how you actually show up for goals and how you show up to change. Because I know many of you want to change in some way. You've all got something different that you want to achieve, but the outcomes doesn't matter because it's the process that counts and it's the the mindset that counts. It's not just about learning the steps to drive and the how-to. It's actually about everything else. And you know that I'm a big believer in taking control of your life and that you are capable of making that choice. You made the choice to drive, as I did. Well, I'm talking to the person that's driving, obviously. (laughs) Some people didn't. But I made the choice to drive, and so did you. And now I want you to make the choice to do the next thing that you wanted to, like with intention. So many women come to me and they, they're like, I just haven't actually really achieved anything intentionally. Yeah, there's some things that I've achieved that were maybe byproducts of things that I was doing, but I haven't achieved what I really want to. And for the first three years of my coaching practice, a lot of achievements were focused on weight loss. And so it's like, okay, I'm intentionally thinking about this now and I want to get it done. So what's next? For you, what achievement do you want to tick off your list? Because it is possible. And this, what I'm going to show you and walk you through, is going to help you stay in the awareness that it is possible. And I just want to call something out up front because I feel that this is a point that I need to make. And I say it with love. You are the only one standing in your way. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) You are the only one standing in your own way and I know this because you've told me I know this because I tell this I I, I know this for myself too I hear people say this all the time and so this is what I'm here to help you overcome I'm overcoming you getting in your own way so that is why I created the shift model it's in my be unshakable program it's like our five core strategies I suppose to get our goals done So SHIFT is an acronym, and today I'm going to walk you through the learning so you too can keep at it, keep progressing towards your goal. Because I just know you so well. I know what's going on in your brain. I know that fear, anxiety, embarrassment, and frustration, plus a whole range of other emotions, are going to show up and SHIFT, the model, will keep you on track. It's working and understanding what is happening for you all at once. And it will just give you the awareness that you need and give you the focus that you need as well. So here we go. So shift stands for S is for show up. H is for holding the tension. I is for identity. F is for failing forward and failing fast. 
and T is for tracking your data. So firstly, showing up. In my meaning of this, I use it to remind myself if I'm taking the right action. Nothing moves the needle more on achieving any goal faster than taking action. This could mean simply journaling. If you're like, I just want to understand what's going on in my mind. So it might be journaling for you. Maybe it's thought downloads. I love thought downloads. Maybe it's having a good brainstorming session. Maybe it's the right action of going for a walk, going to the gym, planning your meals, scheduling your time. Whatever it is you are aiming for, you get to decide what this is. It's not a one-size-fits-all thing. The showing up is different for everybody. For me, you know I love to meditate. You know I like to move my body. You know I like to plan my meals. All those things for me are showing up. So you get to decide and use your own guidance to figure what's going to work for you because remember, we want you to be showing up and doing the things that stick I don't want you to be doing something that works for somebody else, but you can't stand, but you're like, oh, well, Tony Robbins does it, so I have to do it. I want you to figure out what works for you. So the next one is holding the tension, and this is a huge piece. You know when you really want to go to the gym, but you also don't? It's about holding that place in the middle. So if you can imagine two circles, and one circle is you not going to the gym, your current self, and the other circle is you going to the gym, your future self. And it's that place and space in the middle. It's the wanting two different things at the same time because I know you want to go to the gym. I know you do. You want to be stronger. You want to be fitter. You want to be healthier. And you also want to just be comfortable, not be sore, and you want to lay in bed and get some rest. Like you have these two things simultaneously. So holding the tension is about understanding that you are in the middle and you have chosen that you want to move away from the person that lays in bed and doesn't go to the gym and lift weights to a person that does, that gets out of bed in the morning, goes to the gym or goes for a walk, lifts weights, is a little bit sore. That's the new person. And you know that you want to have that change. And you are willing to feel the discomfort and still show up and go to the gym. Sometimes you won't and that's okay. But mostly you're showing up and you're doing the thing that creates discomfort in you and you're willing to feel that discomfort. That's you holding the tension and you hold it long enough and you create new habits. It doesn't happen overnight, but if you hold it long enough, most people just don't hold the tension long enough or the right tension. And we go into more about that inside the course and you get coaching on it too, which is so fabulous because sometimes you just cannot see it. So holding the tension is really important. And what we're doing is when we're feeling that discomfort, we are not making it a problem. We're still pursuing our dreams. We're not like, oh, we're we're such losers. We can never do the things that we say we want to do. We're not saying that to ourselves anymore. We're like, ah, yes. I recognize that I'm feeling like not going to the gym and I'm choosing to, or sometimes you might choose not to, and you're still not making it a problem. It's an interesting place to be. The solution is all about managing your mind through this process. 
That is the biggest key here. Awareness is the key. So that's holding the tension. The next piece is the I. So I is for identity. And identity is about stepping into the person you want to be in your future, say the person that's going to the gym, but you're doing that right now. And I'm not talking about having proof that you're going to the gym right now. I'm just talking about choosing to identify as a person in your future that goes to the gym, as the example. It's about intentionally thinking about how you will think, feel, act, and the results you have, and then creating the small changes one at a time to make and build the habit of becoming the new version of you. And as a side note, this is not about pretending or faking it till you make it. No, that's not what we're doing here. It's actually something deeper. It's you and your identity. And your identity can be changed in an instant. It doesn't need any proof. Proof is great to build on it, but you can just decide that you are a person that goes to the gym. It's like when I turned 40. So between the ages of 20 and 40, I had thought numerous times about, oh, I really would love to have like a skincare routine and a regime that was going to help support my skin as I aged. And I never did it. And then when I turned 40, I looked into my future and I wanted to be a person who looked after themselves, my skin, my hair, my body inside and out. I chose a whole new identity when I was 40. I'm not sure why 40 was the turning point for me. It just was. But on my 40th birthday, I declared that I was a person who spent money on and looked after my skin. As I said, I'd always wanted to do this in the past, yet I just didn't take the action necessary. And so on my 40th birthday, I did. So what did I actually do? What was the difference? So instead of thinking I was someone who didn't take time to wash my face every night before bed or use beautiful products, I decided that I was a person who looked after their skin. I began thinking of myself as that person and then decided to take action to make it happen. Joel brought me up to the Gold Coast for my 40th birthday as a surprise. And I remember on that trip, I turned 40, but I walked into David Jones and I I think I bought Dermalogica and it was the first skincare that I bought that was more expensive than, you know, supermarket brands. And I just declared on that day that I was going to look after my skin from this moment forward, that I was a person that looked after their skin. From then, I just made it happen. Yes, it took effort in the beginning to create and stick to that new routine. Like, of course, at first it was fun. It was lovely. Then some days I was tired and I didn't want to do it, but I still did it. Or if I didn't do it, I didn't make it a problem. I just showed up the next day and did it. And it's funny because that stuck. Yeah, I'm thinking six years on. So I'm 46 now. And it definitely did stick because these days there is never, I can literally say never a time that I go to sleep without doing my routine at night time on my skin. I wash my face, I put my products on. If I think back on the last six years, it was really only a handful of times, I think, that I haven't done that for, I can't really even think of the reasons why I didn't, but maybe I was too tired or whatever. And I've just gone to bed without doing my face routine. It's a pretty good effort for six years, only a handful of times that I didn't do it. So when I was 40 and I just looked at myself and I decided on my new identity that I was a person that looked after their skin and my body inside and out, I just showed up to make it happen. It didn't have to be, I didn't need the proof, I just decided. So I know this is a really simple example, 
Yeah, you know me. I love to bring the simple examples to you because we are just ordinary people doing ordinary things. And it's all these small little things in our lives that create our life. It's the small things. It's not one big, huge thing that creates our life. It's the everyday things. Even though this is simple, the same principle can be applied to everything. Become the person today. Don't delay and wait for proof that you are that person because that takes a lot of time. Create the proof starting right now. Just choose your identity and then build on the proof. And so this leads into the next phase of this model, which is failing fast and failing forward. This is such a huge like aha moment for me. In life, there is plenty of failing. It's really important to know when to change direction. Failing is a part of life. And if we're not failing, we're simply not trying hard enough. <laughs> like I fail all the time. I fail every week, every day even. One of my coaches that I follow, she has a, a fail list and she decides how many times she's going to fail at something to so, so she can see her progress. And I think that's pretty cool. So failing is essential in life, yet many people make it a problem. So it's important to know when to let things go and to make a dis- like a new decision to pivot because if you just kept doing the same thing over and over again, well, I think that's the definition of insanity, right, from Albert Einstein. Doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Well, that's never going to happen. You have to do things differently to get a different result. So when it comes to goals, you cannot possibly know in advance all the challenges that are going to come up. It's just impossible. You can troubleshoot them when they do arise, yet knowing everything in advance is just simply not going to happen. So you have to be super flexible. There's been plenty of things that I have failed fast at. Believe me, like I said, there's so many things that I fail at all the time. And I could have spent a lot of energy troubleshooting. And sometimes it's necessary, like it's important to go through a troubleshooting process. But then you really you really know whether something is going to stick or not. And for me, it's a real gut feeling and a real knowing. But then I just decide maybe this is not something I'm willing to put my energy into anymore and then I just decide to pivot and then I leave it there. I don't make it a problem. I make it a learning and I pivot. So in regards to my skincare, if we think about that, I've not used the same products for those six years. Like I haven't just used Dermalogica for the last six years. No, I've used so many products over the last six years. Some have worked, some haven't worked, some I've loved, some I've spent way too much money on. It's been a process. But what I figured out is that I'm willing to stick to it. But just imagine if I tried some products and tried like tried it for a good amount of time and I struggled to commit to the routine. Like just think about the alternative. Maybe I was just struggling to follow through on my commitment. Maybe I didn't want to spend the money on my skincare. Maybe I just wasn't really aligning to that identity or the person that I said that I was. Maybe I just made that up. Maybe I thought, oh, I should be doing that. And so I I did it out of the should feeling rather than really feeling it and being aligned to that goal. If that was the case, I could have just stopped. I could have tried it out and maybe if I didn't see the commitment, 
and I was tracking my data and figuring out, you know what, this is working or it's not working, maybe I just would have stopped and gone back to what I was doing before and not making it a problem (laughs) because I could make it a problem and then make myself feel like I'm not good enough or worthy enough or that I'm really bad at following through. Or I could just be like, you know what, this is not working for me and I'm okay with that. What's next? So that's failing fast and failing forward. I've learned something and I'm just failing at it fast because if I've tried that identity and that habit and I've discovered it's not for me, well, I could put that money and that energy into something that actually is going to be for me in the long term. If we make it a problem, we overcomplicate what is really quite simple. Some things are for us, some things aren't. That's just the end of it. And the more that you are in awareness about it and the more you practice this, the easier it gets. I remember when I owned the fabric closet. In that business, I used to print personalized designs onto cushions and well, all sorts of stuff, but cushions mainly. And I really wanted to do it well. It started out pretty dodgy. <laughs> it was it was a bit, you know, haphazard, wasn't working awesome. So I really wanted to up level and do a great job for my customers. I really wanted those cushions to last and have an impact and be around for a long time. And so I went into like problem solving mode. And so there was this time something was presented to me to buy this secondhand fabric printer. And so I took the risk and I purchased the secondhand printer. It was a lot of money. I remember buying it here on the Gold Coast and having to get it back to Broken Hill, which was a drama all on its own. And when it arrived in Broken Hill, after all those troubles getting it there, it just didn't work. I took the risk and it didn't pay off. (laughs) It was so disappointing to start with. I was still committed to it because I'm like, okay, I still want this to work. I still think this is a, a great solution for my customers and my product. So I spent time diagnosing and figuring out the problem. And eventually I decided to take it to Adelaide where I found a guy or a business that could actually fix it. And so I drove this great big lump of a machine. It took up my whole area in the back of my Kluger (laughs) to Adelaide, which is 600 kilometers from me, from Broken Hill. And so it was a fair hike. I handed it over to them to get it fixed. Anyway, that cost a lot of money as well. So I invested in a machine. It didn't work. And I decided, okay, is it worth the investment? To fix it, I decided yes. So I invested again to get it fixed. And then I picked it up, brought it back home. And when I got home, this is after months of already going through this process. It was literally months. I tried it and it still didn't work. Can you believe it? I was so stressed at this time. It was super stressful. I remember screaming at the top of my lungs at this bloody printer and feeling like such a failure. I was disappointed, I was angry, I was frustrated. I wanted to take a cricket bat to that stupid machine. I really did. I had dreams of like it being set on fire. (laughs) But lucky for me, I really resonated with being someone who could meet any obstacle and not allow it to stop me. I don't know why that was, but it just was in me already. And I really aligned with that identity. So that day, after screaming at that printer, I decided I was no longer going to put any of my energy into making it work. 
I was going to cut my losses and move on to another printing solution. You know what? I didn't print one single item from that machine and it cost me thousands and thousands of dollars. I failed, but I failed fast. Like the whole process was maybe six months, but I also failed forward, which meant it allowed me to figure out something else. If I was still trying to troubleshoot that stupid machine, my whole business might have imploded, but instead I was committed to the long term of my business back then. And I decided, cut my losses, failed on that. What's next? What's another solution? So I went and figured something else out. And I did. I figured it out. But I wouldn't have been able to figure it out if I was consumed with the failure of that machine. And what I did figure out was really super successful. And to this day, it's being used in that business. So it was worth it. The moral of the story is that I knew when to fail and I moved on. And it's absolutely what I want you to learn how to do as well. This is the last point in the shift model, and that's tracking your data. How do you know if you've lost weight? How do you know if you've run further than you did last week? How do you know how many books you've read this year? Well, my friends, (laughs) it's a very simple answer. It's because you know where you started, which is data. You know where you are now, which is also data. And you know where you want to be which is data. So if you have a goal, data, my friends, is your best friend. It will tell you what's not working. It will tell you what is, and it will allow you to do something differently to allow you to progress or pivot, as we've just figured out. Without it, it's like blindfolding the football team and telling them to win. It's impossible. This is the point in this part of this model is when I know people are serious about achieving their goals. Like I'm a real goal achiever. Like I've achieved so many things and I've done that by being really intentional and checking off data. (laughs) So the people that are serious, they show up, they hold the tension, they track their data and troubleshoot if necessary. And another thing they do is put a stake in the ground. That's when they say, By the 31st of December, 2023, I have read 45 books. That's placing a stake in the ground. That's putting your data point there and going, that's where I'm going. Reading 45 books a year might be a huge, scary goal, especially if you're up until this very point in time that you've only ever read five or 10 in a whole year. Yet you've made the really clear distinction of where your data point is, where you're going to, what you need to track. It's such an important piece of this puzzle. I would love to go into more detail about this, but maybe that's another podcast episode. But the important thing to take on here is that tracking your progress and tracking your data is essential. Without it, like I said, you're a blindfolded footballer kicking randomly at goals. And I'm pretty sure doing that, the odds are against you. If you're playing against a team that were not blindfolded, they're going to roll you. For sure. So can you see the importance of these five steps? It's such a simple model. Each one can be broken down even further, which is what we do in Be Unshakable. Also, it is very simple. So shifting gears always gets easier the more you practice. So when you want to make a change and you are sort of floundering around, remember the shift model. This is just a guideline of what's important to focus on. That's all it is. There's not much detail in there. Like there's not do this and do that. That comes later. 
and comes on an individual basis of what you're achieving. But the shift model will help you to focus on what's important. And the reason I have created it is because there is lots of information out in the world. We can get distracted. But when you have one thing and it's a proven thing, like it works for me, it works for my clients, this is a proven method. And so it's like, okay, of all the information, I'm just choosing this because we get to choose anything. So you choose what's going to work for you. And shift definitely works and it definitely works for me and my clients. So remember shift, which is show up, hold tension, be who you want to become, the identity piece, fail fast and fail forward and track your data. And to help you on your way so you can start using this model and start implementing it, I've got a thought of the week for you to practice. And this week, the thought says, challenges are not the problem. My mindset is. Therefore, I choose to have a stronger mindset than any problem. So good. (laughs) Go out and practice that thought anytime you feel overwhelmed or like you want to stop. If something's too hard, think that thought on purpose. And I've got something else special for you just from this episode. If you want a printout of the, the shift model to stick on your wall as a reminder, I've created one for you. And I've created it for you because I know that awareness is everything and it's easier to be aware when you have visuals around you. Print it out and stick it up wherever you're most, like if it's in your office or if it's on your fridge, wherever you're going to see it a lot, stick it up so it can just remind you of what's important to focus on. And to get that one-page printout, you just need to go to head-coach.com.au forward slash shift, and it will just be delivered to your inbox. It's also actually going to be in the show notes as well. So yeah, go and get that printout, stick it up where you can see it and start making those changes today. Okay, well, I hope this has been really helpful. This has been a fun one to walk through. If you want to dive into this topic more, you know that Be Unshakable is always open. I'd love to welcome you in there. And so go, so go check it out. All the details are in the show notes. Okay, I will talk to you next week. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to More Life, Less Drama. All the details of this podcast can be found in the show notes on my website. And if you want to take your growth to the next level, I invite you to become part of my membership program, Be Unshakable, where we take this information and dive headfirst into putting it into action. Go to www.head-coach.com.au for all the details. Until next week.